Radical, episode 191. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, I've got a great guest for you guys today. As you know, I've talked about Bitcoin more and more in the show, and we are going to continue to do that because I think it is the greatest tool that we have uh, for dismantling the murder cult uh, that's in front of us uh, today. My guest's name is Mike Hobart. He is a contributor at Bitcoin Magazine. We crossed uh, paths in uh, Twitter spaces, and I've you know, he had some very insightful uh, replies and I started reading them on um, on Bitcoin magazine. And there were a couple articles that really stood out to me. Uh, but uh, I'm going to bring him into the studio now. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hobart. How are you, sir? What's up, man, dude? I'm doing good. Uh, I was just telling you before we hopped on that I'm kind of I wouldn't say it's a hangover, but I'm running off the buzz and the confusion and the excitement from the uh bitcoin mining conference that just happened down in austin texas so yeah i was gonna say you uh you showed up there over the weekend tons of i, I imagine just people from all over the industry and in the bitcoin industry you know getting together maybe some some for the first time and as this this industry is obviously exploding right now i mean to meet each other in person after being on spaces together spending a lot of time getting to kind of know each other and feel each other's thoughts out kind of a cool experience huh Oh, and like the, honestly, the cool, one of the coolest parts. So I, I come, part of my background is uh, I'm blue collar family, mm -hmm. um, particularly like my dad was in the pipe fitters union in, in my area. And uh, I, I kind of, I kind of did some work for them for a couple of years, but like, just like coming from that, like community, like the blue collar, like get up early by the time the sun's up, you're working, like grinded away, like blood, sweat and tears is how you really have like, you know, an honorable kind of existence right. but then coming to the and technically the conference was the crypto mining conference but it was really bitcoin it was like 95 percent bitcoiners um being down there with those guys like a blue a, a group of blue collar workers that are also technologists they're also massive nerds that are also <laughs> like very good with money is it, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like, I mean, it was, like it was wild. How how many people do you think showed up? I think I can't remember if it was sub a thousand or above a thousand. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, and you guys were really uh, kind of just pouring into to mining in general, right? Um, yes and no. Are you still there? You're breaking up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I got you. Okay. Um, but uh but dude, that's that's a hard, that's actually a surprisingly hard question to answer. Um <laughs> I, I know with the, the Bitcoin uh community, uh a lot of times you don't get in like it's uh it, it's just it, everything kind of snowballs, right? You know, with you know where what we're talking about, what we're doing in terms of you know the, the bleed over uh, from one subject to the next, like there is, there's so much of it, and you know, you, you just kind of go down all these different rabbit holes because of all the information that's out there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Thank you for regrounding me. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, you're grounding me in snowball because it is, in fact, a snowball every time. Because like. When you like in this group, particularly in the Bitcoin community, you you can't have just one segregated, siloed conversation because it bleeds into the next and the next, and then you end up having three-hour conversations when you're supposed to be at the next panel listening to somebody talk. Like it's impossible, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important too. That's and then I think that's the really you know the the really cool thing is, is just how important it is. Um, you know, those yeah. conversations that just kind of take, you know, right turns and left turns and kind of it's almost a stream of consciousness because there's I mean, the space is so it's still so new. I think there's a lot of people that are intimidated by this space because I see, you know, Bitcoin at like forty four, forty five thousand dollars. And, you know, the people who have been in this space for a while are going, look, guys, it's still early. You know, you are you're yeah. going to be early for most of your life in this space. Um, when when we talk about, you know, these, you know, these things in open for the first time uh, with, you know, people who are also entering from different backgrounds with different niches and different life experience, you just you see just how much we don't know and and how much ground there is to cover and how this has changed the paradigm. That's putting it very uh, 
It's a very polite way of saying that we're all a lot dumber than we think we are. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, kind of align that to the, uh, I guess, kind of the idea that, you know, we, we are evolving into a, a new, uh, you know, a, a new, I say a new species. We're hitting a, a new ep- epoch, I guess, in terms Epoch? of the, yeah. Yeah, the human condition, right? It's like we're the first cavemen to step out into you know, this, this area that is going to be a, a Bitcoin world, uh, within, you know, a little more than a hundred years from now. Like that's, that's a kind of a, a, a crazy, maybe rightfully scary place to be. Uh, well, as- and that's a good point too, because we can, we could definitely talk about this if you wanted, um, later on. It's like people, when we talk about history, for example, we can just, we can just use world war two as an example or world mm-hmm. war one. It doesn't really matter. While that happened, while World War One happened 100 years ago, in the grand scheme of like actual evolution and history, the like that wasn't that long ago. Like even Joe Rogan brought it up. Like he's like that was like three people ago in your family. Like right. that's not that long ago. Like and and people are acting like just because we have a supercomputer in our pockets, um, that our species has somehow evolved. It's like nah, not yet. <laughs> no, no, we got some new tools that we're barely learning how to use. And I mean, most of that is, you know, let's be honest, is, you know, being assholes to each other on social media, right? Like that's the the number one thing that I think those amazing tools in people's pockets are using. Better Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> as, we, as we get better in this space, right? Like uh, we're, we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to do things like Bitcoin. We're going to do things like improve the world and, and come up with better uses and, and you know, uh, more efficient uses for things like energy in places where there's never been cheap and affordable um, energy. But I, I wanted to take a second and kind of, you know, get your, your backstory. And how did you get into Bitcoin? Um, the ideas of, you know, freedom and liberty and all that kind of stuff, because I mean, Ooh. these, these, uh, these Venn diagrams heavily overlap and to, kind of, to, you know, tell people, you know, and have people understand, like, listen, you know, uh, just a guy that, you know, wanted to get into it. And this is, was my path. Yeah. So, um, you'll have to stop me if I start getting too much into the weeds. Cause like, I, I, so to how I got here, um, firstly it started with, so I didn't know what I wanted to do with like going into college, like coming out of high school. Um, I, I was relatively intelligent, but I wasn't necessarily good at school. Like I didn't know how to study. Right. And once it got into like senior, junior year of high school, like I was, I, I didn't know how to study. So like grades started to slip and then like, you know, like I started partying and alcohol and girls and all that stuff. Um, so I struggled through college and, for a couple of years after I got my associate's degree. And then it got to the point of where I was basically just partying. Like I was, I was, pro- I, I think I, cause I tell people, I think I was probably, I was blacking out probably three or four nights a week. Yeah. And it kind of just dawned on me when I was 23, I was working at a gym in the town that my university was in. And I was just like, okay, um, I'm, if I continue down this route, there's really no way this ends well. Like, really no way this ends well so then i kind of just i was like okay i need a reset and that's where the army comes in because um one of the regulars at my gym he was a recruiter mm-hmm. and you know recruiters recruit so he did a good job <laughs> and <laughs> professional at yes and um but it still ended up being like a really good like a really strongly positive thing for me Mm -hmm. um going through basic training and going through like really the the, because the basic training part that was good for me wasn't necessarily the physical aptitude part because i was i was probably in the best shape of my life at that time and i left basic training worse um, because the physical aptitude isn't what it used to be and some of the biggest lessons i learned was dealing with people um and another part of my backstory we don't need to get into like i i had developed a very kind of secluded um introverted style of lifestyle um which i didn't start out as and the army and basic training taught me how to deal with basically the general public's mass stupidity 
without <laughs> with without being like I'm I'm trying to be as uh, honest but not um, offensive it, as possible. And, and and this is not that you can swear you can cut. <laughs> I mean, speak your mind as freely as you like here. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so like, and this is a really long winded answer to your question, but it, it takes us to the year of 2017 when I was preparing to deploy um, to the Middle East. And as I was preparing for that, um, I kind of had a conversation with my mom because my mom's been largely like one of my, she was my, my tip of the spear mentor, um, mm-hmm. very much more than my dad. But my dad taught me like sense of honor, like taking care of your people, like good leadership qualities and stuff like that. Um, but I was talking with my mom and I was just like, Hey, like, if I'm going to actually be, if I am going to become the person that I want to become, I basically mm-hmm. have to start finding a way to do what these investors do in the sense of making my money earn money for me instead of just beating my head against this brick wall and hoping for pennies to come out. Sure. Um, and I had just happened across, and this was the that first inkling would have been in May of 17 when, okay. when Bitcoin broke $1,000. And I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but it's a thousand dollars, which is more than most stocks out there. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Kind of parked it to the side, didn't pay attention to it until like August, September, when mm-hmm. I was getting ready to uh, to head down to Fort Hood. Okay. And Bitcoin was four thousand dollars, and I was like, okay, this thing just quadrupled in like four months. Now I need to look. Now I like it behooves me to look into this and understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um. And so we all know what happened in 2017 with the sense of it going up to 20. And I was like, I was the Bitcoin guy in my unit after that, because that's all I would talk about. And everybody had to like, Hobart, shut up. Like, we don't care. We don't right. care. We're, we're in the middle of the Middle East. We don't care. And so while everybody was was working overseas, I was I was consuming Bitcoin content because that was also the year that Pomp started his podcast. Okay. Like his very first iteration when it was just the Pomp podcast. Or no, it was it was um, off the chain was what it was called. Okay, it was called off the chain podcast, and then he changed it to Pump. Um, but I I was learning a lot from him, and uh, particularly Marty Bent. Yeah, and then uh, it's kind of I just didn't stop after that. So that's how I got to Bitcoin and how the army overlaps and all that stuff. Yeah, no, I, I when when you were uh, when you were I guess in was this one of those things that um, kind of brought you into uh, this understanding of Austrian economics and did you see kind of being a, you know, I guess, you know, a soldier is kind of conflicting at any point? Yes. So to be completely fair, I never really fully looked into Austrian economics in general. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I can't really give you a concrete answer for why as to it just didn't really interest me. So like I wasn't, I liked the like I liked the way that Bitcoin operated in the sense of the very Austrian kind of operations right. as far as like nobody can control it, no printing, all that stuff. Um, but I think one of the reasons why I didn't really I didn't really care to look into Austrian economics um, is because of I have this kind of almost not anarchist and not libertarian, but just like this kind of anti-establishment, anti-institution, anti-particular way of thought, um, way of doing things. Cause I've always, I've, I've kind of always been that curious kid where it's like, Oh, well like this happens. And I'm like, okay, why? Like, yeah. And I was one of those kids, like at the, at the family dinner table with like, you know, everybody around grandparents and uncles. And I would just, why? Or I would ask questions. And it was yeah. like, i routinely annoyed everybody with my curiosity well i i think it's a it's a a really good uh i don't know habit to get into is is being curious and um yeah. I, think, I think it's definitely served you well i mean um now that you have you know have moved into being a contributor uh at bitcoin magazine you know no small feat uh in itself uh, in this world um the the one article that you sent me over after i'd read a couple of others was uh, and I think this is where our uh, our spaces cross on. Uh, well, we cross on Twitter spaces. Jesus, unintended. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was your article. Does the world need a declaration of monetary independence? And I, man, I'll tell you, as a guy who's actually written a declaration of independence, uh, and, wow, 
and and you know went to the steps i think uh here in my local town in april of uh 2020 as the you know the the lockdowns were happening and read it um i found this absolutely to be one of the coolest things to go through and see that somebody else in a group of people have gotten together and said enough is enough with this monetary enslavement and um i wanted to i wanted to talk to you a little bit about it because um you know th- th- one of the one of the quotes you have in this uh this write up is um you can, oh jeez i'm I dropped, rookie um <laughs> Is uh, from Plato, excess liberty, whether it lies in the state or individuals or seems only uh, to pass, I'm sorry, lies in the state or in individuals, seems only to pass into excess of slavery. And this is uh, this is by Plato and the Republic. And the, the quote after this was, uh, today the state enjoys this excess liberty. Today the state has unfettered access to our data. Today the state has the power of our time today the state has the power of our attention and today the state has the power of our future um i thought this was extremely well said and i think it's a a, a incredibly salient point um and what bitcoin is and what bitcoin does and um why we should have monetary independence from your perspective so first of all i appreciate you valuing that that particular piece because that was one of the few articles i've written where i was actually some people would probably be embarrassed to say this but i was pretty emotional writing it like it would like i would actually start to tear up because i was like that's the stuff that i was actually thinking about and like you imagine you almost imagine yourself giving a speech like that like an independence day like the fourth of july speech you know on the airfield and rallying all the troops um because what scares me is I've been having this discussion with one of the other writers uh, for a couple of days now. What scares me is people as a, you could say a population or a species or whatever, people as a group, at least in the U.S. or the world over, like when it comes to actually, like we all have the freedom especially with the like the dis- distribution of information we have now thanks to our like technological advancement sure each and every one of us has the freedom to choose whether we are going to believe in truth or we're going to believe in a lie and the yeah. problem with that what scares me is that when so reality is always going to check it's always gonna it's always gonna mean revert. It's always gonna correct for any discrepancies or deviations from the mean and coming mm-hmm. back into into frame. The problem that most people have with that is that the, the people expect for some odd reason, I can't understand why because this goes back to people being stupid. Um, I, I, I don't understand people think that reality is always going to check itself and keep reality in check the instant that something deviates from reality. But the problem is, is that when we, when we're, we have the technological capability to produce lies and push them as rapidly as truth. And even more times more rapidly, because psychologically people are going to choose to believe what they want to believe most Mm -hmm. of the time. Um, What scares me and this goes back to like the state having the power over everything. It gets very Orwellian very, very fast. And for some reason, not a whole lot of people, even in my generation, I'm 31. A lot of people, even in my generation, A, don't know what Orwellian means. Or or B, they think that for whatever reason, um, people the people, the humans that have the power over these institutions aren't going to do something that would sacrifice the health or the integrity of the system that is like kind of perpetuating authority over them. It's like that. Do you, do you not like, do you not understand what power does to people? Like, have you never watched a Disney movie? Like we grew up (laughs) watching Disney movies. Like that's all they do. That's all the bad guys do. They have power. And then they, 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 they use lies to try and like, you know, I, I, it like it scares me because especially during 2020 lockdowns mm-hmm. because um 
so part of my story that I that I kind of glossed over, I didn't mention is like after I got back from my deployment, I uh, finished my degree in exercise science. Right. And now it's just a bachelor's degree. So I'm not a doctor. Right? I don't have a master's. So whatever, like you guys can like your viewers can try and attack my validity or whatever <laughs> uh, listen, my my guys don't uh you know this crowd here uh is, is really probably one of the uh most anti-college type of uh you know crowds that are, that are okay money, right so, like, so so i'm gonna like them is what you're saying yeah um, but, but uh so i got really when i was in college i was particularly interested in how these scientific institutions deem like a scientific journal or a case study to be actually you know valid yeah. Um, aside from aside from the actual methods of the study to make sure, you know, they, you weren't like electrocuting people or like treating animals unfairly. Um, but really just like the standards of the scientific community. So I could like kind of going into the future, you knew how to navigate what was to be expected. Right. And to get back to the power of truth and the power of the state and the power over data and your your attention in 2020 in particular, we saw how they were using the very same tools that we all use to actually produce lies. They were producing lies in the sense of it provided an outcome that people wanted to hear. Yeah. And people, people lapped it up. They lapped it up like a, like a couple of strung out cocaine addicts that hadn't had cocaine in like however many months. And they just, they dude, it, that's what that's what really terrified me and then because like to be completely honest i even going even going through the military and seeing and seeing the way things operated where i understood why so many um which is really unfortunate why the stereotype for like the crazy army vet i under i understood their side of it yeah i understood i was like okay so these army vets aren't crazy. We just don't have any understanding of the fact that we are literally just numbers and cattle. And when you start to mix all of that really long answer together into a Petri dish, you really start to like from like a 30,000 feet view, really start to see just how easily easy and possible it is for like these institutions to be weaponized against people. And I mean, that's, that's kind of like, that's really kind of like the main, one of the main threads across all my writing is just like, like guys, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on here that we don't understand a, because not only is it three miles wide, but it's like 30 miles deep. Mm -hmm. So it's not only like, it's a large breadth of area to cover, but every single one of them is independently like abysmal. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, the 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 breadth and scope of how awful these bureaucracies are and institutions are is it's damn near infinite. And yeah, and like on that on that real quick, well, there's because there's one point that I've been trying to get across to people that I because like, like I'm sure you've noticed on Bitcoin Twitter, it's pretty easy for people to like catch on to something like somebody being a spook. Like if there's one if there's one instance of somebody being a spook, then there's a witch hunt and everybody's a spook. Which is guys. <laughs> Guys, that's not how that operates. That's not how that works. Um, But there's one particular point that I think a lot of people. So I'm of the camp where I don't believe that there is like a a giant cabal. I don't think that I don't think that there's like a Bilderberg group of people like trying to steer every single economy to a specific like endpoint. I don't think that there's one overarching conspiracy that's controlling all the other independent conspiracies. Um. For example, and the reason is that um, when in nature, in 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 reality, um, there are ways for negative feedback loops to get produced, and then they provide uh, like a waste resource or an, or an uh, um, an output that gets utilized in another fa- feedback loop that produces another waste source that produces another negative feedback loop. And one of the examples is it's not a negative feedback loop; it's a positive feedback loop. But one of the examples is the Krebs cycle. Mm -hmm. um which is like the the production of atp through uh through carbohydrates and if like just looking at a full diagram of that and understanding how many different kind of um 
waste products are produced in the body that all those waste products go to a different system that gets utilized somewhere else. And you understand that like that that's how nature operates. Like really nothing gets wasted. It's going to get used somewhere else. You're just not looking there right now. Right. Um, when you understand that that's how that operates, then you start to understand how like all of these really bad negative bureaucratic systems that we've put in place to try and like manipulate the fabric of reality. Um, once you understand that that's how nature operates, and then you can use that lens to look at like American society or really any society. And mm-hmm. then you can really start to see how it doesn't have to be steered to a negative endpoint to end up at a negative endpoint. And not every single one of those people is solely responsible for the whole kind of chain of reactions down the line. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, um, I, I think there are some huge uh, players that have their own independent, um, you know, uh, wants and desires and power and fame or whatever it is that drives them at those levels. And I don't think, obviously, that they're all in the same circle. I think there's over, you know, overarching circles and they kind of work with each other where they can. And yep. when you see meltdowns like what we're seeing now, especially in the uh, you know, the Federal Reserve and the uh, the petrodollar and basically just, you know, inflation going nuts. Uh, I think you start to see some of these people as they're breaking down faster than the others uh, start to eat their own. Right. And that's that's kind of, you know, conclusive proof that, you know, that's not one overarching theme of hierarchy where they're all in this thing together. It's that they all have, um, you know, their their own uh piece of the pie that they're trying to maximize and when their piece of the pie falls um they they get some panic yeah they get extremely upset they say things that are absolutely um you know lies we'll just call them lies and um you know and then they get found out and i mean we see that or they produce a company named surgisphere and they make a fake (laughs) research study to produce through the lancet to try and manipulate policy. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. And the, the cool thing today is information moves so damn fast. And there's so many people out there uh, with little facets watching this kind of stuff with interest in this type of thing. Because let's face it, you know, like we are in a market with a deficit for, you know, really good media. And so yeah. anybody and everybody that can sit there and check these guys now with, you know, things like podcasts. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely some of the coolest things to see. Uh, and for me, especially as a, a podcaster, uh, the decentralization of media, um, yep. which let's say, I want to get back to the kind of the decentralization of, of, of what Bitcoin will do this, okay. uh, this declaration of monetary independence. Um, you guys have, you know, gone out there. You're one of the original signers, which I think is super cool. Um, after reading through it, um, tell people about the the declaration of uh, monetary independence and maybe encourage them to go out there and sign it. Yeah. So um, firstly, I will definitely encourage people to go out and sign it. Um, but I will say that I was not I was not the original writer of it. Um, mm-hmm. A friend a friend of mine that I met through the kind of um, the writing process uh a couple of my friends actually um he just kind of poked into a group chat and he's like hey i've been working on this thing would any of you be interested and me and this other guy we're like immediately we're like yes (laughs) like send me the email send me what you have i want to read it i want to be a part of this and if for whatever reason there's anything that i think you could add that you like throw it in there i think i only have like I think I might have four or five lines in the whole like actual declaration we put together. Mm-hmm. The guy that the guy that put it together, like he did ninety percent of the work. Cool. Um, and he doesn't necessarily he doesn't really want his name tied to it or anything. Uh, he doesn't need or desire like the the social capital from it. So I'm that's why I'm not saying his name. Um, but yeah, because it, it, I'm a patriot like through and through. Like I love America. Mm-hmm. but I love what America was supposed to stand for. Not, well, for. not for what we stand for today. Yeah. And that's, that's the most disheartening part of this whole thing. Um, because really in the last, these last, 
I'll say three years because 2019 was kind of like it was still building up to it, obviously, before all this stuff happened. Um, but in the last three years, it's been glaringly obvious that the people that we quote unquote put in power or voted for, um, it's quite clear that they're there on their own uh, machinations. Like they like they aren't they aren't making decisions that would actually be better for the people. Yeah. They're making decisions that are better for themselves. Yeah. Which I mean, you can't just like we can't just as people, as a honest people, we can't just, you know, hate them for that, right? Because that is a very human it is a very human thing to do to like look out for your own. But on the same thread, it's not a very human thing to sacrifice all of your friends and neighbors either (laughs) so so, there's a reason why i call them the murder cult especially those guys that that, you know like we swore an oath right and like and 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 i i know people in the audience are going oh no i can be really upset with these people because they were supposed to uphold the document right they were supposed to uphold our rights they were supposed to keep government small and within its own lane and really kind of carry on at the federal level at least uh, with you know war peace negotiations and foreign commerce, and that was really about the extent of their charter in terms of the Constitution. So, no, I I, I know where you're coming from. I think um, you know I, I've talked about it a number of times in the past couple of days. The uh, Sun Tzu uh, teaching, you know, build your enemies a golden bridge of retreat. Right? Is like <laughs> yeah. even even these monsters in uh, in government is like yeah, you know, like it, as this thing collapses, instead of you know going into uh, a warfare type state, you know, to let this thing uh, come to rest peace as peacefully as possible, uh, and getting yeah. that golden bridge, right? Well, like- and on on that on that thread, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to also add something too before we got on to the next whatever branch this conversation takes, because we could literally go anywhere. You and I, sure. we could like we could literally like you and I could rant for probably six hours straight and not yeah. take a food break. Um, but I honestly wasn't I wasn't really. I wasn't like super captivated by the like the concept of freedom or defending it really even within the military I wasn't super I didn't think about it until going through college and learning the operations of physiology and biology I learned what happens when you try to manipulate like just life in general mm-hmm. like you can't you there's no steering it because if you try to steer it you're going to break whatever system you're trying to steer it within and then life's going to do whatever it wants anyway Right. And so to think that we could be that system, like we are that system, we are life. Like to think that just because we organize each other in a kind of semi metaphysical sense through the form of government, to think that we can restrict life by restricting freedom and think that we aren't going to break something is extremely arrogant it's extremely ignorant it's extremely narcissistic and once i understood that then it also clicked for me for austrian economics because it's the same way it's it's utilizing natural mechanisms to produce positive outcomes through the through the form of competition really because it's the competition of ideas the competition of markets like that's that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's how that's how we as a species get better and that's how that's just how nature operates, that's how reality operates, that's how physics operates. Yeah, when so, they don't when they don't let banks fail, they don't let corporations fail. Uh you had a great uh article about the zombie corporations and how Bitcoin's going to fix that, how when you. when these things don't when they're not allowed to fail and they continue to get propped up, what we're doing is stopping the creative destruction process in what would be, you know, more of a a capitalist type society. And that distorts price signals to markets and it absolutely throws everything um, upside down. And to be able to to steady, you know, a, a people, an economy, a, a culture, there needs to be given certain. And when those things are interrupted, obviously through, uh, you know, controls, from you know a centralized authority which is more in line with communism um then people feel like they do today i think people are tired i think they're uh i think they're been on kind of pins and needles i think there a lot of them are stressed out because of you know you know this this situation because they don't know what's coming next they're just yeah waiting. like how how can how can you how can how can you make 
how can you make it like make a decision and be confident it's the best decision you can make when the measuring stick you're using to measure your your life, your reality, your daily activity is constantly moving. Yeah. Like yeah. like you you like if you had a ruler and it just every minute it fluctuated between a foot and a meter. You can't build a house. Well, good luck. You can't build a house that's going to function. You can't um you can't decide how to spend your money if if the measurement stick which the measurement stick is like i'm referring to money here right. the measuring stick is money but it's fluctuating value so much the sense of and this is also the argument that people use against bitcoin right because it's fluctuating so much at least against the dollar but the problem is is that it's not it's not bitcoin that's fluctuating it's the dollar that's right yeah because we're so, we're capped and they're not and they're playing games with that money whereas yep. we're uh, you know immutable distributed ledger where a proof of work is already done. Right. And so, yeah. um, for us, I think we're, we're doing pretty good. I wanted to kind of, um, bring all of this home, um, with what, you know, you, you've talked about in terms of, uh, the declaration, uh, with money, with the, you know, the kind of this understanding of where humanity is at right now. And there, you had a, another great article. Um, it was, I think this may have been your latest one. It was on Monday. It was February 7th. Uh, the latest from Putin and Z uh, <laughs> political interest in Bitcoin. A lot of really cool things are happening in that space right now. And the idea that, you know, uh, Putin has beat the United States to adoption of a lot of the aspects of Bitcoin, right, um, is I don't know. You know, I, I was I would have never thought that I was going to be rooting for that guy over, you know, making an American president. Like, you know, 10 years ago, if somebody would have told me that, I'd have been like, yeah, you're, you're full of shit. But the, um, the idea here um, with uh, some of what you've, you know, tacked together and I, I think have put beautifully is like, you know, we're, we're definitely in a, in a race right now. And as we can try to control I say we, uh, as governments try to control, especially the United States government, um, with its heavy hand and sanctions and everything else, um, we are actually driving, you know, places that, you know, the United States would consider adversarial, whether it's Russia or China or Iran, uh, through sanctions and manipulation of currency and, 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 you know, the, their people, uh, especially on the, the, the lower rungs, uh, of the economic ladder, we're driving them straight to Bitcoin, um, which is going to propel those guys into a different stratosphere. The sooner they adopt it uh, than we are. And I think the, the coolest thing uh, that you kind of mentioned here is, you know, what we're seeing across the globe right now is a, uh, a unification of people so far in, you know, against their governments. Right. And I, yeah. I, I think it might have been, you know, one of the things that really brought it home for me. Well, it's the it's the tyrannical father fallacy. Go like ahead. You, so, so, so so do you do you like do you have a daughter? Mm-hmm. So when she grows older, because she's gonna she's gonna start you know dating guys. Yep. You can't you can't just rule her with an iron fist because she's gonna rebel and she's gonna rebel by going to the exact people that you don't like. That's right. That's what's happening. That's that's precisely what's happening right now. Like the the U.S. is trying to squeeze all these people into using the crappy SWIFT system, and to like you know the petrodollar, like purchasing our oil and all that stuff. That we're trying to squeeze all these people and force them. It's like no, you need to use the dollar. It's like okay, no, okay. I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna say yes to you, but then while you're sleeping, I'm gonna go find somebody else that's gonna like work better with me. That's right. That's all, that's all that's happening. And the fact that our government, our legislators, I'll say that, that our legislators are thinking that they are from some absolute place of power. Like, where have you guys been for the last 40 years? Do you not, are you like, are you not students of history? Like, do you, do you really not reflect on the decisions that you make? Because like like I'm sorry, but since 2001, there's been a lot of great examples as to why we shouldn't like you. Did you see the reporter the the press conference 
with the guy that said the U.S. has, you know, particular uh, evidence suggesting this. Oh, and then the State Department. Yeah, it was classic. Yeah. It was like, oh, hey, man, these are not the droids you're looking for. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, it was, I, I saw a, a great, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, retort in terms of a mocking, right? It's like if you're standing before the judge and they say, hey, man, you're here for speeding. He goes, no, I wasn't speeding. Uh, back to the judge and he goes well do you have any proof of that and he goes yeah i just told you look at can i i, I can have the the stenographer read off the transcript here in the courtroom right i like, just told you i wasn't speeding that's my evidence it would never work and you're saying yeah. like these these people have been so blinded by their power i think you're uh, tyrannical father um you know uh, i just made that up by the way i don't know if that's a legit thing but it I, sounds good hey i'm gonna i'm gonna credit everybody uh, uh mike Hobart has got the the claim as to the uh, the theory on what's going to happen around the world <laughs> and i've actually kind of been looking at this um in in recent days because i talked about it in a number of different spaces as well as you know when we're using sanctions against you know smaller countries like iran um, not so much, you know, China and Russia, because they between the two of them, they share a landmass that has everything that they could possibly need. Yeah, and they don't care now. They don't. They don't. They, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have to care about what you know people on the other side of the planet think or want them to do. You know, I'm not. Trust me, I'm not all for their their their, their rights violations of people or anything. But the idea that we're going to be meddling in other people's business, uh, especially small countries who have you know experienced sanctions over the years, like if I was Cuba or Iran or any of those places, man, I would switch to Bitcoin in a heartbeat. Yeah. And with that is going to come. A culture because to really understand it to really be good at it and to set your country up or to set you know the people in your country up for success you know you're gonna have to adopt the the culture of bitcoin and i think you know what i've seen so far from this in in these spaces is people who want people to to succeed they want people to be secure they want people to uh you know invest in their future and put away this you know this inflationary keynesian type of model for this low time preference savings for not only yourself but creating wealth for your children tomorrow's children and coming yep. from a different place uh rather than you know an enslavement type of fiat currency to a currency that absolutely liberates people from, you know, the, the moment they're involved in it. Yeah. And like, cause like, it's hard to have one conversation on this stuff without deviating into something else. Yeah. Um, but it's just, cause it's like being someone who's, who I really enjoy trying to be the best leader as possible whenever I'm in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Um, to the to the point of that you were saying is like we all want each other we want to uplift each other we're not trying to like hold people down so we can stand over top of them and like laugh like that's not that's not what the bitcoin community is about and that's very much one of the reasons why i got so attracted to it um i also wrote a uh, article on this on medium called the people pleaser paradox mm -hmm. where um when you create a society that's like this designed solely around narrative around maintaining a narrative of like hey no you should sacrifice you know arm and leg to support each other it's like well that gets to the point of where we are now where everybody sacrifices so much nobody can afford to actually sacrifice anymore so then you start to like cannibalize the community mm -hmm. like the bitcoin community is like the spartan community it's like you might not like what we're gonna say you might not like what we're gonna do but we're it's gonna be in your best interest because people don't like that you can't print everything like you can't just print when you when you need to it's like yeah but it's gonna make you stronger for it yeah we're we're gonna force you to be stronger we're gonna force you to be more frugal with where you spend your money because that's also another like kind of talking point against bitcoin is like well, if people are just going to hold the Bitcoin, then they aren't going to spend anything. It's like, well, no, that doesn't make sense because people will spend when they have to. But when they do have to or when they do want to, they're going to take more time to make sure that that's actually worth spending on. Like, how is that? Like, when did that become the bad thing of economics? Well, and that's those Keynesians, right? Is like if if you slow spending even, right? If you slow spending in a Keynesian economy, the Keynesian economy begins to die. And oh, it's a recession. It's a Great Depression. We're all dying. No, yeah. that's not. And in 2001, you know, when we were facing, you know, the, the first hiccup uh, after, you know, the whole Y2K bubble, right? Is like 
they're like, you need to spend, you need to spend, you need to spend. And now you, you look back, I get to look back at, you know, I was 21 at the time and I go, Oh, now that I understand, you know, the Keynesianism, like if they slowed things and if they didn't start to drop rates, um, you know, this and then two buildings fell in New York. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, ever since then, it's just been more and more and more until I mean, what was it last year where they, they printed, I don't know, 40% of the, the world, well, the US debt um, for 245 years, and you're sitting there, you know, going, no, guys, like this new system, this Bitcoin system, um, you're going to weigh your options in terms of do I really need to go out and buy something? Do I need to go out and spend my money on, you know, goods or services or whatever it is? Uh, versus keeping this appreciating asset, um, you know, where it is. And yeah. that's a, I think that's a really, that's a totally different thing than what we're used to. But I, I think, you know, um, to to the point of your articles, um, where this is something that I think has really lasting cultural change uh, in, in such a positive way for the people around the world. And, you know, it kind of pushes me to the idea that it's like, you know, everybody's afraid of like, you know, globalism in terms of a controlled globalism, a communist globalism, where yeah. a globalism of freedom, you know, a globalism of Austrian economics, where nobody could force you to, you know, pay for things you don't want, a, a global system uh, where you are absolutely a, a volunteerist and, and you have consenting transactions in every transaction that you have. That's not something I'm afraid of. That's something that, you know, I think we should probably as, as people be working towards on a daily basis uh, anyway. Well, and people and people always like they take they they take that like that viewpoint and then they're like, well, what about Bitcoin being used to fund terrorists? Like, OK, well, first of all, most of the massive terrorist or cartel activity around the world is on the U.S. dollar. So um that point of view is just wrong it's not even it's not even like remotely like a lie it's just a flat out non-fact and on top of that like to the point that you were making it's like if you if so okay so if you could buy a iphone or a macbook if somebody could produce the exact same quality product but they were just in a country that the u.s didn't like but you could get it for a massively discounted price, yeah. same quality of product, everything. Wouldn't, wouldn't you just rather do that? Like why, like why would, why would like, and that that's what Bitcoin does because like, because of the fact you can't stop the, the transfer of value, then the economic activity naturally starts to shift over to who does it best for cheapest. That's right. Like, so like I, it just I just don't understand the people that like try to fight Bitcoin. Like, it, I, I mean, I, I, a a you can't, a you can't. Like, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. But b, like, why are you making such a logical fallacy? Like, why are you making such an intentional misstep just because it's something that you don't understand yet? You're getting paid those big fiat bucks, man. To, oh my god, is on the talking points. But uh, I think we'll, I think we'll start to to wrap it up there. Um, you, you, is there anywhere where we can uh, can help you out? Can uh, you know help you? You know, have more time to write more articles to to do, you know, more contributions or anything like that. Um, if people could, I have tips enabled on Twitter, but that's really it because okay. um. I, I stopped I stopped working uh December first. Um and I've just been kind of just trying to do what I can for writing so I can try and educate the and the way I, I, I don't like saying it that way because it also sounds like indoctrination. But um I'm 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 trying to just make it so that I can bring to light more issues that are just below the surface because everybody's looking at the surface and it's like relatively calm but there's like chaos going on underneath i'm trying to pull these little bits of chaos up through almost like a volcano it's just like pfft, okay here's a problem that i found like read about it um yeah. but to that note actually here in an hour and a half um my big regenerative farming article that i've been like propping up for the last couple months uh will be dropping on bitcoin magazine cool uh so you or your readers um just be prepared. It's 5,000 words long, which is about 12 pages in Google Docs. So it's going to take a little bit to get through. Um, but if you could almost take the regenerative farming thing, mm -hmm. 
that's coming out at three uh, central. If you read that, and then if you read that, and then my my food article where I talk about dopaminergic foods, and then you read that, and then you could go through um, like the the zombie corporations article. Like once you start following that kind of lineage, then you're like, okay, this fiat system's fucked. Yeah, big like, time. Like it is because like and and that's kind of like the point of like why I've been kind of just like putting these all these pieces kind of scattered um because i don't i'm not actually trying to steer anybody's thought i'm trying to just like spark off some like oh shit realization yeah well and i i think you know some of that uh that jolt needs to happen um and, and you know people people have i think finally started to see one way or another over these past years and i think they're ready to have at least a, a look at some of the things. So um, those jolts, you can probably find them, I imagine, at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, yep. and, and then you can also find uh, Mike on Twitter. And if you want to help him out there, uh, it is the Mike Hobart, H-O-B-A-R-T. Yep. And it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you here. I look forward to having you on again, maybe talking about some more of your your, your writings and articles. And you can always uh, hit me up if uh, you need something uh, shared out there, okay? Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. We should yeah. uh, we should do a long winded rant sometime. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's coming, man. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of easing uh, my listeners into uh, Bitcoin. There's a okay. lot of this kind of stuff, you know, coming, and it's uh, I don't know. We need people that can explore a lot, a lot of the facets of you know just you know what this is. I mean, honestly. Uh, hopefully in the near future, we're going to move this to five days a week and it is just going to let's go through information, right? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey brother. Uh, thanks man. And, uh, it's good talking to you face to face and, uh, putting a, putting a face with the name and, and everything that we're doing out there, uh, on, on spaces and everything else. So I appreciate it, Mike. Hell yeah, man. I'll be All around. Right. Take care, brother. Peace. See ya. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.